When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on Hale Bar City Radio. We are on the road. The road show before the road show as we pack up the gear, head out uh, for Row the Boat Land on uh, Thursday night for Friday shows over on KFOR. Hale Bar City Road Show Friday afternoon at the Graduate right across from uh, Gopher Stadium. And of course, uh, Saturday morning edition at 7 and a real red reaction. But before all that, we needed a little road trip out here to 70th and A in uh, in Lincoln as it is freshman football yet again for Lincoln Southwest the uh, the Silverhawks are warming up now big bad grand island is in town in their road whites and their purple and the fighting tom rathmans man they are they're big <laughs> they are big and talented and unbeaten and we'll see how things shake out for southwest good to be with you today chris schmidt connor clark back at our espn studios numbers to dial us up 466-3776-466-3776 or 800-825-5865 so uh you can also watch us when we go on the road we take the laptop with us and it's a web show you want to see is where i'm going and uh, can stream us uh, off of ESPN Lincoln's Facebook. Do so and give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at C underscore Clark underscore 27. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Mitch Sherman will join us from The Athletic. Mitch uh, doing a great job of covering Nebraska football. And The Athletic has their uh, series coming out with coaching carousels. Uh, today's release on the the Tennessee dumpster fire where they thought about Chiano, they thought about uh, the pirate coach Leach, uh ended up with uh with uh one of Saban's assistants the name's uh, Jeremy Pruitt uh, was escaping me and uh tomorrow it'll be a look back from Mitch Sherman Max Olson on uh, Nebraska in 2003 with Steve Peterson post Solich so that's going to be a, a must read uh, from Mitch, uh, we'll talk with him about Nebraska, Minnesota, Nebraska, Michigan. So that's on the way in hour two. We'll spend some time with Rick Kaczynski, another Tuesday with Kaz. Kaz will lead us off in the 5 o'clock hour. And then uh, Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network, Big Ten Buffet. Get Rick's take on things all Nebraska and at Big Ten West and East race. So uh, let's get into uh, things on our mind as you turn the page to Minnesota as uh, Nebraska has another opportunity here. And this has just been, I don't know if you're, you're into Netflix and you, you love uh, Ozark or you were watching House of Cards pre-Spacey's debacle 
or if you're a madman, I mean, Breaking Bad, all the plots, the twists, the turns that have happened with uh, The Sopranos, right, with, with the shows over the years, the streaming shows that, that we all love and we, we hold our breath till they come out with. Can't wait till the final season of Ozark, right? Well, not to spoil anything, but the end of season three was incredible. You didn't see that coming. That's kind of how Nebraska football feels as you're in it right now in this 2021 season. We go from Illinois, uh, and and you see how Nebraska's kind of navigated through, and they are they are playing really good football, but not winning football against some elite teams that are in the top ten. You're not playing an elite football team Saturday. You are playing an, a, a football team that has had your number, that uh, thought you were soft, and proved you were not as physically tough as they were with some gritty, gutty wins, at least uh, the way Minnesota came into Lincoln last year and outlasted Nebraska. And that's that's just kind of a Minnesota thing. You even go back to Jerry Kill, uh, some of their 8-9 win Minnesota teams, you really earned a win over those teams. So I look at, at Nebraska having to go do the same, and that's go earn uh, a, a chance to get back to 500 before they get to break, before they get to bye week. And uh, Minnesota is going to be down to, uh, I think the dude going to be running the football is Marquise Irving because you've got no Ibrahim, you have no Potts, but Minnesota just finds ways when they're completely counted out. They're supposed to have no shot last year. Uh, You're supposed to uh, be in a a bar fight, a brawl with them in 2019. That ended horribly as Nebraska got dismantled. I honestly think that was kind of the, the injection of confidence in Nebraska's moment was Oklahoma first quarter this year when this team kind of bought into the belief. Well, you go back to that 2019 season, that 11-2, and two, that top 10 finish, that number 8 ranking. I think, I think Minnesota realized that they could be special with what they did, not just that they won, but what they did to Nebraska, uh, who came in at that point 4-2. Coach Frost talked about it, nailed it. It was uninspired uh, back in 2019. But I think the thing we've all learned this season with Nebraska football is, man, oh, man, uh, you have had progress and you've seen it in some near wins uh, with this football program, especially if you go back to 19, you go back to 2018, last year was last year, whatever the case. uh, It's different for different folks, but both Nebraska and Minnesota struggled during the, the COVID season. So let's get into what this is for Saturday and It's a question about Nebraska football. Can they regroup? Can they rally? And can they go get a a must-win game? Pretty simple. I mean, that's what it is. As we look at the final five for Nebraska, right, it's Minnesota, it's Purdue, it's that march towards six at a minimum. That march towards six. Do you get to six? Do you get to bowl eligibility? Do Do you get to keep playing football because this defense too talented to not be in postseason. This offense uh, has, has shown flashes, and, and they're pretty good. They're also turnover prone. Not as horrible as they used to be, but still, we don't need to keep going over and over what happened Saturday or uh, what happened against Sparty so, and what happened against Illinois. I mean, it has cost Nebraska football games between turnovers and special teams. So can Nebraska go get a must-win game uh, to get back to 500? 
I think they can, and I think it is going to be one of those situations where it, it is going to be another tight ball game. The difference is, is Connor, you can jump in. You just got a different level of, a, of an opponent to go take down. It's not easy. It's at 11 o'clock. It's on the road. and But Minnesota is not Michigan. Minnesota is not Michigan State. Minnesota is not Oklahoma. Uh, Minnesota sure as hell isn't Illinois. Uh, so they're, I don't know that Nebraska will ever play a clean, perfect football game. They're getting better. Uh, at, at all the all the phases and making plays and being explosive and being sure tacklers and being stout on the offensive and defensive line, but there is more of a margin for error. Or you don't you need to be damn near perfect or as clean as you can be to go win on the road. I, I believe that, but I don't know that you're going to have repercussions like you would against a Michigan. It's just a different level of talent, different level of team, where you got to be. 9 out of 10, or nails against a Michigan, against an Iowa, uh, Minnesota. We'll see where they're at with just how injured and depleted they are. I think Nebraska is going to be ready physically. Uh, make that mentally. I think physically that'll be the challenge. You hope to get more snaps for a guy like Casey Rogers. Had seven or eight snaps last week. Uh, as he gets healthier, uh, Deontay Tra- DeAndre Thomas going to need more snaps uh, with his depth, Staley, all those guys. And it'll be interesting to see how Nebraska responds physically to uh, to what they've just been through. And it's been quite a gauntlet. And you have one more hurdle here to clear as you head to Minneapolis. Yeah, and this is a Michigan – or a Minnesota team, rather. Still stuck on last week. This is a Minnesota team that is really confusing. And I mentioned this on our Real Red Reaction show following that Michigan game. This is a team that they they took it to a Colorado team that – Took Texas A&M to the wire, and then they come back and lose to Bowling Green. They play a pretty solid game against Ohio State, obviously losing Mo Ibrahim, but they they were really in that game until the end, despite the injury. And now seven to ten point ball game, right? And they're all over kind of the spectrum of college football here this year, and I, it's been impossible for me to get a read on them. And I and th- that's what makes this game so intriguing for Nebraska because you've seen Nebraska teams in the past, and you look at the last two years as you just mentioned. The game on the road in 2019 was a slaughter in a game that you thought you had a chance to go up there and win with Noah Vedral as your quarterback. And then last year, down 30-something guys, Minnesota comes into Memorial Stadium and beats you. So, in a way, this is more of a revenge game for Nebraska, I feel like, especially after the tough losses to very good opponents. And it's it's a really good opportunity to get on the right track that you want heading into the most important four games Scott Frost has had since coming to Nebraska. It's interesting, right? You, you go just grind out, grit out a win against Minnesota. Get that done on the road. It doesn't have to be pretty. No, just find a way. And, and I think they can, right? I think they can, and I think they'll be ready to, to try and do so. You come home after a break. You get Purdue. That could get you to five and four, and then it's game on. You know, the, the final three death march with a – with a bye mixed in, is you'll have Ohio State, bye, whiskey, and then Iowa. I think Nebraska can get Wisconsin. I agree. I think they need to win Saturday to kind of continue to infuse that belief you can get Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Purdue you can't overlook or sleep on because they're talented and, and they're dangerous, and we'll see if they bug Iowa on Saturday. 
because they have a history of bugging Iowa on Saturdays when the Hawkeyes are in a real good spot. And then I think you can split with Ohio State, and I think you can split with uh, with Iowa. And Nebraska, when they're playing like they were against Michigan, barring those turnovers, right? You lose a turnover battle, you're going to lose a football game against a Wisconsin, against an Iowa. Really, what's left on your schedule, uh, you may be able to survive a Purdue. You may be – I'm not going to say you're going to be able to survive a road win in Minnesota if you lose the turnover battle. Uh, let's hear a little bit from Coach Chenander as uh, Coach Chins talked today. A little bit from Chenander here on the unknowns of Minnesota. We talked about their running back situation. Uh, we know the line's big and physical, but who's going to be running the ball? Yeah, well, I mean, you got a little bit of the unknown, right? You're probably going to see a, a young uh, freshman running back in there. Um, you don't know. He could be not as good as those guys. He could be better than those guys. He's just the, you know, was the next guy up because of his youth. Um, he could be the next great one. So we got to prepare uh, like it's the best running back we've seen back there. So that is Chins. Our friend Vic says your mic is off. Uh, or is my mic off? Are you muted or unmuted? As we talk technically here, Connor, over the uh, the stream. One more time. Yeah, now you're muted. <laughs> so we'll uh, figure that out. More from Coach Chenander here as uh, we look at this situation uh, and the task at hand for Nebraska. And what are you going to get from Minnesota off of the bye week? Yeah, I mean... Obviously, you don't know what they're going to do. They've had a week to prepare. I'm sure they'll have some new stuff going on. Uh, you got to do the best you can do to play rules football, get your eyes clean, and uh, you know do your job. And once you do that, then things kind of take care of themselves. Um, but they'll definitely have some some things going. I'm assuming they'll have some some trick plays or some gadgets coming out of there. Uh, but you know, definitely they'll have some new wrinkles coming off by week and with new personnel in the offense. Another thought from Coach Chenander earlier today, uh, specifically with uh, Tanner Morgan. And, you know, two years ago, Mar- Morgan, we call him captain, was uh, a guy that was was supposed to be an NFL prospect, was supposed to be a guy that maybe uh, some guy saw as high as a third-round grade. Uh, feel so f- bad for him losing his father like he did. But uh, Morgan's also... Uh, seen a lot of guys that were his teammates go to the NFL. A lot of guys went to Tampa, to be honest with you, from that 11-2 and football team. And Ottman Bell should be back, but is he really right it is the question. There's no Mo to hand off to. And he's a pretty pedestrian 52% more from Chenander here on uh, Captain Morgan quarterbacking uh, this Saturday. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we've seen him a lot uh, over the last couple of years. Uh He's a guy that's matured within the offense. I think he knows the offense um, as well as probably anybody in the program or that they've ever had being his third year uh, as a starter. Uh, I think he's got control of the offense. I think he does a good job with the football. Uh, you've seen him push the ball down the field a little bit more this year than he has in the past. Uh, you know, willing runner. You know, he's not really their quarterback run guy, but he definitely will take off on a scramble. He will pull the ball and go. Uh, but I think he's just got an overall good command of what they're trying to get done on offense. That's Coach Eric Chenander, Hale Varsity Radio, on the road here at Seacrest Field, freshman football, junior and his mates from Lincoln Southwest 
are uh, getting ready for kickoff here about 10 minutes away as uh, they hook up with, I believe, unbeaten Grand Island. Uh, We'll hear from Mitch Sherman from The Athletic uh, momentarily. He'll join us next segment. And in hour two, uh, Rick Kaczynski at Tuesday with Kaz. And also Rick Pizzo will join us. Rick's take as we do a little Big Ten buffet. Reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can and will reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Uh, the next, the, the final five. Uh, on our mind here with Nebraska, it starts with Minnesota. We'll hear from Mitch Sherman next. Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. So far, Schmidt 4. Wasps, nothing here in the press box at Seacrest Field. Uh, I have not uh, been stung yet, nor have I ballooned up horribly. Uh, coming up, Rick Kaczynski, Rick Pizzo. We say hi to our friend uh, with uh, The Athletic. It is Mitch Sherman, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. It's where you follow him. Uh, great coverage of Nebraska football. Mitch, how's your Tuesday? What do you know? My Tuesday is pretty good. Sounds like you're uh, set up for... A good one there. Uh, enjoying Seacrest. Is that what I heard? You were in the press box. It was kind of quiet, but it sounds like you're uh, you're out, out outside of the studio. No, I'm I'm in the I'm in the um, the booth, and uh, right now the freshman Grand Island team just ran short side option during practice, Mitch, and and it and it hit the ground, and everyone was horrified in, in white. Junior's team is Southwest, and while he is. Uh, He's watching right now. I, I'm I'm glad he's engaged. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm, imp- I'm just impressed with the multitasking that you're doing right now. I mean, you can you can break that thing down. You got the uh, you got all the all the um, details on the option and everything that that uh, that GI offense is running, and you can host a show. So I'm I'm really impressed. Well, you're you're too kind. Uh, what impressed you Saturday night, Nebraska? Stop me if you've heard it before. Uh, right there against a ranked foe in the top ten. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't the same old story, though. I think a lot of people, and I'm in that group, came out of that one feeling different than I did after the three previous losses this year. All of them by one score, all of them sharing some some common threads. But this one, uh, in, in, in a way... I think Nebraska walks away a, a little, a little more, a little more pleased. Um, and, and I don't say that because oh, it's the number one nine team in the country, and, and you can you can find a silver lining or a moral victory or something like that. It's it's the way that Nebraska lost this game. It, it wasn't as much about self-inflicted uh, wounds. Yes, there was a turnover with less than two minutes to go and a possession in the, in the last 80 seconds that, that didn't go all that smooth after the first play. But when you compare it to some of the things that happened in those other three losses this year, 
this one was more Michigan taking it and 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 going it and winning it instead of Nebraska just just handing it to the opponent on a on a silver platter. And there was less of that against Oklahoma, but still you had all kinds of special teams there that left a bad taste. The the forced error versus versus the unforced error, right? Mm-hmm. The, yeah, right. That's the, the Michigan State. And yeah, and, and I think with Nebraska, they continue to grow in confidence. I think they also continue to load up that ammo of 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 being frustrated and angry, and and maybe carry that emotion controlled over to to this weekend. Where are you at with the the challenge of Minnesota, and then the bigger picture of of the Final Five? We got into that a little bit in segment one, where if you were to give me percentages. Mitch, where are you at? Are you 50-50 or higher with getting to that, that vaunted six number to be postseason eligible? Uh, yeah, I think it's it's um, maybe around 50 or possibly a little below because you can't just count Minnesota and Purdue as two victories and then say, okay, go find – one in the other three games. Mm-hmm. If that was the case, then I, I, I would be above 50%, but there's no gimmies. And Minnesota has given Nebraska a lot more than it wanted the past couple years. And, and so has Purdue, really. Um, but for Nebraska won at Purdue last year, uh, but they've been tough games for the most part. And Minnesota has, has owned Nebraska the last two seasons, so you, you factor the percentages that it's going to take in those two games to come out two and zero and be five and four when Ohio State comes to town, and you know that knocks you down quite a ways from a hundred percent. Like that's that's you know maybe a fifty percent right there. So so you get that then you got to go try to win one of the last three. I think at Wisconsin is is the most manageable right now, but that's that's the one road game of the three. So there's a lot of heavy lifting for Nebraska to do to get bowl eligible but I like the way this team is trending and I think a case can be made week by week through seven games, which, and this is a hard thing to do. You, you rarely see a team that, that can say this with a straight face, but they've in some ways gotten better every week. So that is, that is encouraging. And if it continues, I like their chances to get the six wins. Mitch Sherman's with us from the athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter is uh, where you find him. And Mitch, you're right, and you've seen different phases get better. The defense has always been pretty staunch for Nebraska. And then you saw him rise it to a level you haven't seen in a while against Michigan State. You saw the offense kind of pick things up and, uh, and, and put a couple of drives together and then explode in the third quarter and be, be better coming out of halftime. I mean, they put up, they ra- they're averaging probably – you know, just shy of a couple of touchdowns uh, in the third quarter. That's that's different. And then you saw really good coverage against Michigan uh, with the, with the kick uh, kickoff and uh, and punt. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you're right on with Nebraska's improvement, and it it's just something we got to ask and and get your take on with the turnover. Is is the next level or form of improvement as simple as as Nebraska? finally taking care of the football and, and having a, a turnover-free game in, in Minneapolis Saturday because that's, while it was a, a forced error, that was the backbreaker when you had a chance to go get a W. 
Yeah, win the turnover battle, and Nebraska didn't do that on on Saturday night. And Michigan had, I believe, committed just one turnover all year in its first five games. The Huskers got one. So in that context, it's not bad. But talking to Travis Fisher today after practice, I know it's one thing he wants to see his defensive backs continue to improve on, not just the interceptions, and Deontay Williams got one, but trying to get the ball out as Michigan did at the end of the game. I mean, look, when Michigan needed to make a play, you know, argue if you want about the, the, whether the play should have been blown dead, but the Wolverines on defense kept going and they, they ripped that ball away. And that's a huge play in a, in a huge moment. And I, that's what, that's what Nebraska needs to get, get to more of that. Not just, not just in that kind of a moment, but what the first quarter of a game, the first drive, the second drive of a game, find a way to create some momentum for your whole team and the defense has been great at being sound and been great at getting stops uh, and and that's one area where where the defense can improve is, is generating turnovers which are just as important as avoiding turnovers on the offensive side and they haven't come in as big a numbers this year but it does seem that when those turnovers have occurred they've been at real inopportune times like the first end of the first half against Illinois and then uh, of course on the second to final drive uh, against Michigan. Mitch, a thought as you've got uh, a story being released tomorrow, and I know the Athletics doing a series on uh, Silly Season, the coaching carousel. You uh, dove deep and then deeper with uh, Nebraska football 2003. Can you preview a little bit of what folks will be able to read? Yeah, and thanks for asking about that. I know we've talked about it some during this process. It's kind of dominated my existence for the last <laughs> few weeks. And this is our Secrets of the Coaching Carousel series. It started on Monday. I'd, I'd encourage people to go subscribe, or if you're a subscriber, to, to, to read the stories that have already come out in that series. Some great reporting. We had, a, we had a big one on Tennessee yesterday in the Vols 2017 search that went badly off the rails. As people remember, this one goes a lot farther back in time, but 17 years ago at Nebraska was uh, a, a wild month of December and January. This was Steve Peterson and the 41-day search that ended with Bill Callahan. You know, there, there have been a lot of unanswered questions over the years about what happened in those 41 days, and I can tell you that people are going to learn the answers to all of those questions when they read this story tomorrow. So. Um, it was uh, a treat to put together, and, and I was alongside Max Olson on the reporting and the writing of this story. So um, really excited for people to be able to learn um, what we learned and um, discover some of the uh, uh, secrets that uh, have, been, have been kept under wraps for the last 17 years. Mitch, you were following the search, oh, yeah. the firing, oh, yeah. the... 41 days and then the hiring as you fast forward to the present from the past were you blown away um i I was blown away by what we by what we learned and the amount um, of information that the the uh the primary players most of the primary players were willing to reveal um you know this thing was this thing was under wraps at that time and yes you'd, you'd expect that uh time is is going to uh allow for for information to to be disseminated but uh i I didn't expect it to be quite like this yeah i I was it it was it was a um it was an amazing period for nebraska football in that 
in that time, in December of, of 03, you know, starting November 30th with the, the famous, infamous press conference by Steve Peterson. Uh, we will not surrender the Big 12 to Texas and Oklahoma and will not gravitate to mediocrity. We refuse to gravitate to mediocrity. That's how that thing started. Man. And every step of the way, as we, as we have learned now, uh, as people will learn tomorrow in reading this piece, was um, you know, equally uh, mind-blowing. So, uh, again, just excited to share that, and, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be posted first thing tomorrow morning. Can't wait to read it. Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic. Mitch, about a minute here, bud, a little less than. Uh, who wins Saturday in Minneapolis? Oh, I'm probably going to pick Nebraska. Uh, I, I, I feel like you're not going to get a letdown with this team. And, and this, this, uh, this is a team that has been difficult to trust. It's been a program that's been difficult to trust for many months, several years now. <laughs> I feel like one thing I can, I can trust Nebraska football on in this moment this season is that they're going to play hard. They're not going to have a letdown. They're not going to have a moment like has happened against Minnesota in the past couple of years. And in part because of those, those games and how they unfolded in, in 19 and 20 against the Gophers, I think Nebraska will be, will be pumped and ready to go for this thing. But uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm taking a Nebraska win. There he is, Mitch Sherman. Check out his story on the coaching search of 03 uh, with the athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, thanks for the time today. Thanks, Chris. There he is. We'll uh, wind down uh, this first hour. Some thoughts on John Gruden next. Whoa, wipeout. Skateboard stunt end in stitches. Strep throat hit a sour note. We're at our best when we do the things we love. CHI Health Clinic makes sure you don't miss a thing with virtual visits, same-day appointments. At uh, 4.50 left, and we are scoreless. Between uh, Grand Island, their freshman program, really, really talented. And uh, <laughs> they uh, they are unbeaten. Southwest tried to bounce back after a couple of tough losses. Uh, they have the football across the check everything. Grand Island has the football shy of the 40. So we're uh, talking Nebraska and Minnesota. And I agree with Mitch Sherman. Check that interview out as uh, Mitch uh, was right on it with just kind of that different feel with Nebraska and I don't know if you if you have that as as a Nebraska fan even with another gut wrencher to to Michigan do you worry about Saturday and and yes is is the answer just because uh it feels like Nebraska is destined for one score games every Saturday and even going back to Northwestern you were a little worried about you know what Nebraska team would show up but I think you draw on the Northwestern focus and then production and go okay uh, they were ready. They were ready to do some things, and uh, they, they gave Michigan everything they wanted. I think they'll also uh, do the same to Minnesota. We're a ways away before we head up to Minneapolis as we're doing shows live at The Graduate up there. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark, Hale Varsity Radio. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. You look at the Michigan ball game, I think what – McNamara was able to do as as a quarterback uh, really surprised some of us and he he made plays he did some things to to not just manage but go win the game 
and then his running game and offensive line took over. Uh, Tanner Morgan in his career has had better weapons than he has now around him. That said, I don't know that he can he can put it on his back and and be the difference against the black shirts this Saturday. I like that matchup. Meanwhile, you get Adrian and some of the skill guys for Nebraska. You, you got to feel pretty good about what Adrian can do to most defenses. The question is, is Nebraska going to be able to give Adrian some help in the run game so it's not just on him? And there's always that possibility of getting hit and fumbling when we talk about Adrian Martinez uh, carrying the football. He's a weapon. He's a difference maker. And with the wrong defense teeing off on him, he's also a liability with protecting the football just because quarterbacks, they just don't carry the football like uh, like an back does. And, and you know what? Their job is to throw it and hand it off normally in a run-based uh, or dual-threat offense. The quarterback's got to be able to to protect the football. A couple of thoughts here from uh, Mario Verdusco. Super Mario talked with the media, and he weighed in on one thing no one can question or doubt, and that is Adrian's toughness. Yeah, he's, he's been a tough cat since he's been here, you know. So um, that, that part of his profile, as you guys know, I'm talking to him pretty intact. Yeah, so um, he's a battler, warrior, gets up. Keep going, man. No doubt about that. Adrian has been uh, resilient. He's been uh, so important to this offense and uh, gives you a lot of chances to win. Another thought here uh, on Adrian and just the offense in general, uh, things you, you just can't do, and it's it's been problematic at times for Nebraska at the quarterback spot. That's holding on to the football too long. That's taking sacks. And don't kid yourself, Minnesota is going to probably try and, and, and light up uh, with some pressures. Adrian, back in the pocket, more from Mario. Well, you know, there's certain things just that, that are unacceptable. <laughs> you, saw, you saw one of them. <laughs> uh, not taking sacks, those sorts of things. And those are reminders that we go over on the sidelines before he takes the field. So just some of those sorts of things, you know, can't take a sack, um, get the ball out of bounds and all those sorts of things. So it's a little bit different profile for you when you're in a two-minute situation. Is that is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, is it? So there's a little bit of thought, what, what can and can't happen. S- uh, sticking with the, the unacceptable theme, uh, it's unacceptable to uh, be misogynistic, to be racial, uh, to be anti-gay uh, in emails. And John Gruden was, from his private email to a member of the front brass and their corporate email uh, multiple times between uh, 2011 and 2018. Let's switch gears and talk a little bit about John Gruden. As you look at Sunday, when this kind of broke from the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, you're like, okay, it's it, it's one comment that's insensitive and hateful and and you shouldn't do and we pray you don't do towards an african-american and then reaction is okay 
long time ago. Uh, is Gruden a racist? Well, he's had a lot of guys of, uh, of different creed and color and sexual orientation play for him, and, and they all play for him since he's been back in the league. But it goes from, from one email to, to multiple emails, and John Gruden is done. Let's hear and get some national reaction with that. And, and this was Sunday night. This was Mike Tirico. Uh, this is NBC. This is Tony Dungy. This is the guy that, that Gruden replaced in Tampa. This is the guy Gruden was with for seven years on Monday Night Football. And I'm not going to chalk everything up to racism. I think we accept his apology, move forward, and move on just like he did with his team. Yeah, I I think in being honest with the audience, I should weigh in a little bit here because I was with John at that time, seven years as my partner on Monday Night Football. I probably know John better than anybody in the league on a personal level. He said, all right, he was ashamed by the comments in the email. The comments in the email are wrong. But... My experience kind of parallels Tim Brown, who played for John, Hall of Fame wide receiver. He said he never experienced or saw anything that would say John was racist in any way. That is exactly the experience I had those seven years of traveling three days together on the road every week. So the story will continue to play out. The league may weigh in. The team may weigh in. The league and the team did weigh in. And for him to go off on uh, Commissioner Goodell like he did... That ain't a good look. And you're not going to keep your job uh, if the commissioner wants to pressure a move by an owner. Uh, do we have time for Keyshawn? We, uh, Keyshawn Johnson weighed in because he played for John also for a title. Say things like that and, and put them in an email. He just always been a fraud to me. He just always been a fraud to me. Never, never from day one, he's been a used car salesman. And people bought it because he inherited a championship team built by Tony Dungy and Rich McKay. And he came in there with a little bit of different energy that we had with Tony. And it kind of kicked us over the top to get our world championship, which I am grateful for. But at the same time, I also saw through who he was through that journey of getting a championship. The year that think about it. So that's Keyshawn Johnson's take on things. We'll hear from Gruden and a couple of Raiders coming up here before we end our one. Hail Varsity Roadshow. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hail Varsity Radio. We're here at Seacrest Field. Freshman football, a drive being put together by Lincoln Southwest. As we uh, wind down this first quarter, scoreless against unbeaten Grand Island freshman ball and juniors uh, helping uh, support the fight against breast cancer. With uh, He shook mama down, I think, for some money to get some pink sleeves. So I can tell him apart now from uh, the rest of the dudes running out there. So uh, good on him. Uh, we spent some time here on Nebraska on that, uh, that must-win can't lose aspect of of what Saturday is and I just don't know that Nebraska is is a squad that is ever gonna aside from Northwestern make it easy where you get off to a killer start you're up 10 points after 
the first quarter, that would be ideal. Maybe they do it. I just don't know if they can go do that on the road against a, a desperate Minnesota team that's that's recharged but very depleted. And whatever you think of P.J. Fleck, and we all have a lot of takes on P.J., uh, he gets his team ready, they play hard, and they persevere, uh, and he develops. Uh, I know that, that hurts to hear for a lot of you who aren't gopher fans because of Fleck, but the guy, you got to kind of tip your cap to him with the job he's done, the job he's done against Nebraska, and, and last year was kind of a wow moment. Uh, and he always seems to, to, to play Ohio State pretty tough, and he's always in the fight with that team. But I just think you have a different Nebraska uh, going on the road uh, this Saturday. So that is uh, a team that can take some positives from this this adventure that has been 2021 where they've been right there, and you're so sick and tired of hearing it, but you can't let Saturday be another, man, they were just there. They were, they, were, they were right there. Saturday can't be that if you're Nebraska. And Saturdays, you know, we've talked a lot here the last three weeks about breakthroughs. Well, Saturday's not a breakthrough. Saturday's an expected, right? Saturday's in a, in a, with a team and a schedule and a, a situation where the, the margin for error is minimal. Uh, to get bowl eligible and get to six. Th- this team's not ever going to make you feel super comfortable. But I think Saturday, it- it's non-negotiable that you just go out there and you handle business. And it's a different situation. It's different than an opportunity against a ranked team. It's go handle your work against a team that, that you're supposed to be better than, than you out- that-, that you've out-recruited against, a team that you're supposed to be superior to. And, and Nebraska's not done that. That's part of the, the, the frustration in the Frost era by some of the fans is because, you know what, you've lost to Purdue and Minnesota more times than, than you've beaten them. And, and that is something that you just you, you assume, you expect, uh, but it's not been that way. So it'll be big. Vic says, you know, Nebraska can jump out to, uh, to an early lead. No question about it. They can they can be dialed in and go go get it, like they did against Northwestern. You just have that road element, and uh, Minnesota will. This could kind of be their last stand as well. With uh, do they do they stay bowl eligible? They're at three and two right now. So we will hear from Rick Kaczynski to kick off hour two. Coach Kaz a Tuesday with Kaz. Get his take on Nebraska, Michigan. His take on Nebraska. Minnesota, and maybe a thought on on the zebras from Kaz. Rick Pizzo, next hour. Hail Varsity Radio, 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 the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery on the road, as uh, we are set up at Seacrest for a little freshman ball, Grand Island Southwest, and we welcome in uh, another Tuesday with Kaz, Rick Kaczynski, longtime coach at Nebraska and Iowa with us. 
Kaz, how's your week going? Thanks for the time. Hey, brother. How you doing, man? Uh, pretty good week so far. So, uh, cannot complain, my man. How about yours? We're good. We'll see how this game shakes out for uh, for Junior. Are there any uh, Al Bundy-type stories of Kaz as a freshman footballer in Erie? Oh, man, I'm so much better now than I was back then. So I wasn't, uh, didn't have the social media, no camera phone. So, uh, you know, I can, I can, it's, hard to, it's hard to prove me wrong, hard to make me a liar about, uh, about how good I was back then. But I did, uh, I played JV as a freshman and then got moved up to varsity at the uh at the end of the year at the end of the year so uh so uh it was pretty good man it was a pretty good experience but that's that's my that's my l bundy that's my l bundy's there man well so you got that's hard to do a lot of spots but specifically in the league you were in in high school were you uh tight end o-line quarterback i mean what was yeah, Kaz, no, what was Kaz playing i was uh i was tight end outside backer okay um yeah yeah, I was uh, Schmidt. I was probably. I think my my junior year. What was I about one ninety six at the end of my junior year? And I I thought I was a monster. <laughs> well, I'm going to send you some cut ups of junior at outside linebacker, and you can uh, you can tell me uh, what the future looks like, man. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little coaching good. from Kaz. That's funny. Well, we'll start. I mean, what a wild, wild past weekend to college football. Incredible ball. Uh, Going to start with uh, Nebraska, Michigan. And, man, Michigan's super good, super talented. Uh, Hutchinson's as good as advertised. Uh, Abajo also. And Nebraska got the offense clicking a little bit. But familiar story, Kaz, with, uh, with turnovers and just so, some little things that were better but still not eliminated. You know, you look at a, a punt inside the five that could have been downed or where you're fielding. Just, you know, a lot of things kind of build up, and Michigan made a lot of plays. Uh, it was an incredible atmosphere and intense. But, you know, your takeaway uh, with what you saw from Nebraska and also, you know, are you uh, are you more in on Michigan with with a win like that and, and where they are uh, in this Big Ten race? Well, I'll start with Michigan um, a little bit just – I, I thought going into the game that Michigan didn't get the credit that they actually deserved. I was talking to a couple people up in Lincoln and said, you know, these backs are better than uh, than advertised, I promise you. And they, they even surprised me. They were better than I thought they were. Um, you know, uh, very efficient on offense. And I, I honestly believe a, a top three, top four defense in the country, uh, even though, you know, Hutchinson was, you know, six tackles, which is, that's hard for a defensive lineman, especially when you got the back chipping him and, and with a mobile quarterback like Adrian, but he was in the backfield a lot. I mean, that was a great, that's a, that's a great front. That's a great front seven. That's probably as well coached as a front seven as there is in the country, let alone the league. Um, which which also to me you know, is, a, is a compliment to to Nebraska. I just think that there was a lot of talk going into the game about you know you know Michigan's kind of ho hum, and uh, I didn't see that. You know, since the beginning of time, Michigan's had great players, missing a few skill guys, but you can see you know, they're they're Michigan. They had a couple dudes on the perimeter, they had a couple backs, and um, I, I think the the quarterback even surprised me a little bit. Uh, he uh, he made some throws that I didn't think he was capable of. 
Um, and, you know, you're talking to a guy, too, Nashville. I didn't watch – yeah, I haven't watched a full Michigan game the uh, the entire season. I'm going off what I'm reading, Detroit News, and, and watching snippets here and there. But he – you know, I think a big difference in the game uh, was the long third down conversions yeah. that uh, that that they uh, that they converted. Um, you know, I think they were – I don't think they were great on third down, but the third downs that, that Michigan converted were, were, were absolutely key in, um, in them winning the football game. But, but I was impressed with Nebraska. Uh, I, I, that was a great Big Ten football game. That was a that's, – that's what it's supposed to look like. Uh, that game was run, won with, from the inside out. Uh, Nebraska went toe to toe. I know people don't want to hear that, but I think it would be difficult walking away from that game not feeling good about where you're at and looking. You know, obviously as a coach, as a player, you're you're taking it week by week. I know they're concentrating on Minnesota right now, but as a fan, as somebody that's watching Nebraska and how they performed against, I think I think Michigan is is a, is is a very, very good team that has an opportunity to be great by the time um, the end of Big Ten play. And Nebraska had every opportunity to win that game. And Nebraska is going to have every opportunity to win every game that they're in from here on out. I know they got a tough schedule, but there isn't a team that they can't go against in the Big Ten and come out victors if they take care of things. And you know, I know Adrian fumbled at the end, but that was a guy, you know, that was a forced error. When you play big-time college football, power five, big ten game like that, you don't want to see it happen. It comes to, it's always going to bite you. But, you know, that kid was trying to make a make a play. And if you don't have Adrian Martinez as quarterback, that's probably a three-score game in the, uh, in the fourth quarter. So, uh, yeah, just watching from a distance, man, that's a great big ten football game. You know, coming down to one possession and that's how it's going to be the the rest of the year so um you know i'm my, my stock's up on on nebraska i like what they did up front i uh, like how the defense played you know i know they got a little bit worn down but that's what that's what people do in the big 10 and um really like where the team's at and you know they got to go on the road play minnesota another great challenge for them there's nothing on the schedule that's easy but there's also nothing on the schedule that they can't that they can't win Rick Kaczynski is with us Tuesdays with Kaz, Hale Varsity Radio, his takeaway with Nebraska, Michigan. And you said something so critical there, and it's how you really got to look at it. And it's a guy like you and your background that looks at it like that forced error. And that's that's just been the, you know, pro-Adrian or, man, why is the guy turning the ball over Adrian? I mean, that's that's the – that's the chorus right now, and I'm, I'm with you that Nebraska's in a whole world of trouble with, without him, and it was a forced error. Michigan's done that all season long, and uh, you just got to be cognizant of it. And, I mean, you had four white jerseys holding Adrian up in a, in a kill shot from the side, and, you know, you got Adrian thinking maybe the whistle's going to blow, and maybe relaxed a little bit, but he played his guts out, made some really big-time throws, even started off that final drive with a, with a money uh, ball down the sideline to, to get you at the 50, and then it just kind of unraveled from there. We talk about signature wins, Kaz, and, and you know big opportunities. Nebraska still has uh, many of those left on the schedule. As a coach, did you worry about 
uh, your team's response after falling short in a big game. They're all big games, yes, but Nebraska's put a few of these together, my friend, uh, in a row. When we look at Oklahoma, when we look at Michigan State, when we look at, at Michigan, and now here's Minnesota fresh off a bye that has just, quite frankly, dominated the lines of scrimmage the last two years. Don't know that they'll do it this year, but it's – it's it's still uh, it's still a hornet's nest you're going into. Do you worry about Nebraska's response Saturday? No, not not at all. I mean, I I think you're starting to see consistency out of them. Here, uh, you know, your leaders are are older guys. Um, you know, they're in there watching film and and they know what they got to do to um, to win football games. They know what they got to do to correct uh in order for them to come out on top and in quite frankly if they were going to quit they would they they would have did it a long time ago those guys keep showing up week to week i mean we're we're not there we just give opinions you know we're not in the staff room we're not at practice um so you know everything that we say and do is pretty much guesswork but you know it's hard to fake on saturday that's the great thing about football it's it's the best exposure of character um, competition that there is, you know, you cannot hide on a football field. No, not you can hide maybe a little bit, but not very long. Um, shows a lot about people, and I think when you look at Nebraska after the after the Illinois game, you know, I think they've been pretty consistent with their with their effort. Uh, I think they've been pretty consistent uh, with their emotions. I think they've been very consistent in, in their, in their approach. Um, I, I think it was hard to tell because of the opponents that you were playing after the Illinois game. But when you look at Oklahoma, Michigan state, and now Michigan, that, you know, you feel, you feel pretty good about where you're at and how this team is operating on a, on a daily basis. And, that has a lot to do with the uh, the senior leadership, and I think it has a lot to do with uh, how these guys are practicing. And I, I think that's I think that's changed. And yeah, you know, I don't I don't hear a whole lot. I don't listen to a whole lot. Um, but I get the feeling that there's a, a little bit different intensity. And when you're when you're taking guys from spots and you're calling out players about, hey man, every job's open. Yeah, that's that. That's Alabama esque. You know, it's like the NFL. You, you're you're going to get cut if you don't perform, and and that's the pressure I I believe that these guys have put on themselves, uh, and the coaches are putting on them, and during uh, during the practice week, and I think you're seeing that come to fruition with the success that they're having on uh, on Saturday. I mean, when you turn that game on on Saturday, and it had a lot of national interest. There's a lot of people watching that football game. It was a great football game. You know, it was an unbelievable crowd. And that's what's, that's what's great about Nebraska. When you're a blue blood like Nebraska playing another blue blood, you win a game like that, you play a game like that, and you don't get embarrassed and you go toe-to-toe and you got an opportunity, you're, you're right back in the mix. You're right back in the conversation. And I think Nebraska, they're not too far away from, from getting over the hump and, and winning those type of games here. And, and it's going to start with Minnesota. I, I, I bet they go up there and take, take care of business. You know, it's not a young team. It's not an immature team. And that's what happens. That's when you have those letdowns. That's when you have that. Um, you know, this team, they've, they've seen the whole gamut of things uh, in, the last, uh, in the last four years. So uh, I wouldn't be concerned about that. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I think – Minnesota's got the problem. If I'm watching Michi- if I'm watching, if I'm watching the Michigan game, if I'm watching the Michigan State game and the Oklahoma game, 
you know, the guys that, that should be a little bit worried is, is Minnesota. You know, you have uh, this mentality of Minnesota coming into Lincoln last year, a bunch of guys sick and beating Nebraska. You know, this, this is a whole different Nebraska program, not, not, not just team. It's not just a new year. I, I, I just see, I see a complete difference in the program. It's night and day, and uh, uh, that's why you feel good about where it's going. And I don't know what Nebraska's record. I don't know what Nebraska's record is going to be at the end of the season, but I, I guarantee they're going to win a couple games that they shouldn't on paper by, by, by season's end just because of how they've been approaching each week. I love the emotion. I, I mean, I look into the huddle. You know, when they when when we talked about this, I think last week. Yeah, yeah. When you see Adrian calling the play, when you see the offensive lineman shoulder to shoulder, you know, leaning in, getting the call, running up to the line of scrimmage. When you see the D line, as soon as the offensive line runs up, they're in their stance. You know, they're like bulls in a pen. They can't wait for that next snap to go hit somebody in the mouth, and that's when you know, okay, you got a pretty good football team. You know, that's when you know you got a pretty dang good culture. Um, that's when you know that your vision, your message is finally getting through to these guys. And I know, you know, as a coach, you, you can't play the game for them. You can talk about it. You can guide them. You, at some point, the players got to be like, enough's enough, and they got to do it. And I think they're at that enough's enough. I really think they're at that. Um, so I feel really, really good about, uh, you know, if I'm watching Nebraska, I, you know, it's, I think it's getting easier to be a Nebraska fan and feeling pretty good about, you know, what's, uh, what's coming next and what, what opportunities and what doors can open um, going down the line in the Big Ten play. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, a Tuesday with Kaz. Kaz going to go over to Iowa City. Gutsy for the Hawkeyes. Uh, defense knocked out Clifford and special teams, always special in, in Iowa City. Able to pin Penn State twice, and uh, man, they did yeah, a, a job of getting playing quarterback. I mean, I mean, you know, they pin me. you. I said, yeah, they pinned him deep, and you, you know, you're playing with me at quarterback. Well, I mean, that was what I was getting at is, is they got the ball in great field position <laughs> to go score ten points in the fourth quarter. Can Iowa? Can Iowa win out? Do you think? I mean, I look at their schedule and it kind of says yes to me. I think Black Friday is going to be incredible in Lincoln, but is Iowa going to the Big Ten title game? Nah, I mean it's you know it's it's uh, you know we'll see. I mean it's lining up for them, but you know just being in um, being in the building with those guys and type of program, they're 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 one game at a time, and yeah. you know and and as you win, uh, the more you win, the the bigger target you got and. People, uh, you know, take a few more chances. They roll the dice, and, you know, they play a lot looser. So, you know, the pressure's on Iowa, but, you know, they, they embrace that stuff. That's Good stuff from Coach Kaz. Uh, Kaz will hang on the line. Some more thoughts from former Nebraska assistant and Iowa assistant Rick Kaczynski. So a good uh, first half here for Southwest. They're up uh, 15 to 6. A shout out to Griffin Simrad. Just took it back 80 yards on a punt return. Good work for Double Deuce. More with Coach Kaz coming up. Rick Pizzo. This hour, we're live at Seacrest. Hail Varsity Roadshow presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. That's, that's part of Kirk's, Kirk's program. That's how he's run. You know, there, there, in 21 years, there hasn't been a situation that he hasn't come across. And, and he's been there before. You know, Kirk's, Kirk's been 6-0 and a few times. And you know, I've been 6-0 and with Kirk. And I can tell you, at 6-0, and one, we were sitting there saying, how the hell are we 6-0? and And then, two, <laughs> you know, we're looking at the schedule saying, good Lord, this team, you know, this team can beat us. And, and that's the approach that they take in – to the practice field, into the meeting rooms, um, you know, every week. So, absolutely, they can win out. But I, I still think they, um, you know, at some point somebody's going to move the ball on them. You know, and I think what you saw Saturday, you know, before Clifford got hurt, you know, Penn State was in pretty good control of that game. Uh, you know, and, and I know Iowa put that score in late in the second quarter before uh, before halftime, but, you, you, you felt pretty good about Penn State and them controlling, um, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say controlling line of scrimmage, but doing what they had to do um, to get points on the game. And I think Penn State and Franklin knew they didn't have to score many points against that Iowa offense. So can they win out? Absolutely. But I still think that they, they, they're going to have to get a little bit uh, more production from their offense. You know, you can't play on this side of the 50. You know, you're you're not going to do that at, uh, against uh, against Wisconsin, and you, I don't think that you, they're not going to do that against Nebraska. So I think uh, looking at their schedule, those are probably their two biggest challenges. But you know, every week's a challenge, man. You know, you, you're you're banged up, you're beat up, and you know Iowa's going to be hearing how great they are, and you know it's it's just it's a, it's a constant battle. It's it's uh, you know whether it's Iowa, whether it's Alabama. You know, whether it's Ohio State and anytime you're having success, man, you know, you gotta deal you gotta deal with that part of it also. And uh but they know how to deal with it. I feel pretty good too about Iowa, but I'm I'm looking forward to that Black Friday game, but absolutely have uh, total confidence that, that Nebraska Nebraska has as good an opportunity to beat Iowa as anybody does. If I bring the wild turkey and give you a plate of turkey, will you come back for that? <laughs> uh, I'd love to smooth. It's been a while since I since I've been, been up there. You don't have, yeah, just uh, just a little. I don't need the plate of turkey. I'll just say I'm, I'm you just gonna... need the wild. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll just put you what? at the fifty. We'll just put you at the fifty, man. Oh, get you a lawn chair. Yeah, you know, I get I'll, I get a flag at a critical moment when we talking about me <laughs> and be talking about me on Tuesday. So there'll be no more Tuesdays with cash. So uh, yeah, to I got I, I got to ask find you another washed up coach. Oh, to no relevant. such thing. Yeah. No such thing, man. <laughs> I got to ask you what um, what do you expect from Alabama? I, I mean, wow, what A and M's a nut crazy environment and i meant that as a compliment with their atmosphere and ho-hum i mean you look at the last three four weeks bama has just been mauling folks and a&m had to have it um yeah they well, they got it also football yeah it is I, I, I think it is i mean you look at clemson and and you know that that's i think how it's this, this is how you get um you know the importance of the bowl season back i think I think uh, you know. I think you start getting a little bit more parity and in, in in recruiting. You know what you don't want is the best players 
every year going to the four playoff teams, which which has happened since the inception of the playoff. And I know Coach Saban's talked about it for years of, you know, the playoff has made the, the, the bowl season irrelevant. You know, and ten, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have saw guys skipping out of the bowls, and, and you, you would have never seen that. Um, and, you know, now it's, it's like another game to these guys. So uh, I think, you know, with this parity and, you know, Alabama losing, Clemson being down a little bit, you know, Notre Dame looking probably like, you know, I don't know if they got the offensive firepower to be a, a playoff team. So it's great right now. You got a lot of people, man. You got a lot of teams that could. Right, and you got a lot of teams right now that couldn't, that people think can. So, so it creates that interest. You look at last Saturday and the games that were on to you. You got Kentucky, LSU. Mm-hmm. You got Georgia, uh, um, Auburn. You got Penn State, Iowa, Nebraska. I mean, that's what's great. I mean, you're sitting here, and there's not a well, other than Georgia's D line, there wasn't a whole lot of difference between those teams on Saturday. And that's what that's that's what college football needs to get back to. And I think we're getting back to that. Um, but, you know, I think when you saw Saban um, during his press conference, if you saw any of it, it's, it's almost like he was relieved because now what he's been telling his team, it seems like, every single week, that they're really not that good. And if they don't play better, somebody's going to cut their tail. And it finally happened. Right? So I, I, to me, it almost looked like Saban, there was a – a sense of relief that now he has the proof on film to go back, sit in that meeting room with his team and say, I told you so. You guys, you can get away with this against this team. You can get away with it against this team. You're not going to get away with this against a physical uh, team on the road at night in their house. All right, so – so I think what you're going to see now, you don't want to be the dudes that have to play Alabama next. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think I think what you're going to see with Alabama, Alabama is going to be a much, much, much improved uh, football team over the next four or five weeks. Um, yeah. And, you know, Georgia better get their quarterback back. <laughs> yeah, so. no, I think you're right on with that. Guys, we'll get you out of here on this, and it's always fun to chat with you. Uh, is there a game or – a, a moment you walked out of a stadium as a staff where you just – you guys don't ever blame refs. I know you don't, but it's been a, a, a frustrating topic uh, for Nebraska fans and, and for Nebraska with, with a crew. That's not why Nebraska lost to Oklahoma. That's not why Nebraska lost to Michigan, obviously, clearly. But it was just – well, the best word to say is uh, inconsistent or a disservice. It wasn't, it wasn't officiated as well as it could have been for both teams, for Michigan, for Nebraska. Uh, th- is that something that, that stuck in your craw as a coach or, 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 a, or a staff you were a part of with, man, there's a game that, listen, uh, it just didn't go our way and it felt like it could have been officiated better? Well, I think as a, as a staff, you all <laughs> Let me tell you what coaches can do. Can do they concede that the the refs are awful? You just concede, so you kind of <laughs> have to have that mental block in your head. <laughs> you They're awful. Have have Move on, block. or or else, or else, you know, you you'd end up assaulting somebody. I mean, you really, and and it's just and so you just can't you can't you can't worry about that because that'll permeate to the players. 
And then once that gets in the player's head, it's just another excuse. And, and, and I, it's, it's, unfortunately, it's part of the game. And it just seems like recently it's getting worse and worse and worse. But from a guy that started in the Big Ten back in 2004, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, they wanted a, Michigan and Ohio State got the calls, man. I mean, that's just, that's just, how, that's just how it went. So, you know, if you, weren't, if you didn't have those two colored helmets, Guess what? You you talked about what you talked about all week is guys. You just can't you can't give them the benefit of the doubt. You know you got to protect the football. You gotta you gotta play with great technique. So what you tried to do is just you know don't give you know coach your guys up where they didn't give the the, the officials an opportunity to be a factor. Now were there a couple games where I thought they were factors? Absolutely. But when you go back in the and watch the film. You know, I'd say about 99.9% of the time, you really control your own destiny. If you took care of what you need to take care of, you're going to win the game. So, you know, like I said, Schmitty, coaches usually go into uh, into games in the seasons just conceding that breath stink. So, who, so when who you is, do that, mm-hmm. it makes life a little bit easier on young game day. Did, uh, did was there a guy on staff that was supposed to buffer Bo from the zebras or no? Mm, no, and, and you know, you know, they all come in. They they come in and and before the game and they talk to you and you know, shake your hand and wish you good luck and kind of act like they're your buddy. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's um, no. I mean, you know, yeah. There's a couple times where it's just like, hey, Bo, just you, you, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But uh, now there was there there was no buffering, Bo. But it, it was hard. It's hard, man. I mean, I, I'm telling you, but my little technique was I never said anything to the refs. I would just talk to the to the players closest to me, so I couldn't get in trouble. I would just turn to the to the closest player and say, you know. Hey, guy, you can't blame the refs. They never played. They never coached. They have no idea what's going on. So don't be mad at those guys. I just kind of made comments like that every once in a while. But, uh, you know, my approach was, and, and even Bo's approach was, uh, you know, early on during the game is just trying to point some things out. You know, we would tell our players, you know, don't complain to the ref. Just, hey, go talk to them. Say, hey, mm-hmm. hey, hey, you know, Mr. Fischel. Hey man, that you know, hey, can you just watch that center? He's moving the ball a little bit early, and you know he's he's trying he's hooking me on that outside zone. So we would always just kind of talk to our players, try to coach our players up on how to talk to the officials, you know. But there was a few times in games where I would go to the officials and say, "Dude, their guard stinks. He cannot block our three technique. Okay, just so just can you please watch that? Can you please watch that? You know, and and they would." And they would, and you know, then they tell you it didn't impact the play, but <laughs> it's just part of the game, Jeez. right? I mean, it's just, it's just, it's like taxes, you know. It's just, <laughs> just got to deal with them. It's, no, it's funny. It's just something you got to deal with, but uh, but if you don't deal with it, you you make the consequences a hell of a lot worse. So that's so just part of it. Just another part of the thing that. Uh, uh, you know, makes the game even better, man. Rick Kaczynski, Tuesdays with Kaz. Kaz, this was a blast. Thanks for, for taking time, making time. We'll get uh, Black Friday locked in, and we'll get you some clips of Junior, hey, you all pay, right? You pay for the flight. I get up there. You got it. 
Hey, get somebody get somebody in a private plane. I, I don't do commercial anymore. So <laughs> you just up that, man. Annie. I call my man. See if Reardon. I'll call Reardon. I know he's got a play. Get Ron Carson on the horn. Have him come. Have him come pick me up there. We'll, we'll dial so. now. All right, Cash, you be good, buddy. <laughs> All right, Cash. Thank you. There he is, Rick Kaczynski, Tuesdays with Kaz, Hale Varsity Radio. So uh, we will check in with Rick Pizzo next. You've got a 16-6 to uh, Southwest lead uh, over uh, Grand Island. Griffin Simrad, baby, to the house. So we are going to take caller five right now for Chris Stapleton tickets to PBA. Friday, you're going to get your groove on, Stapleton's money. And Caller 5 right now, a pair for you with Hale Varsity at ESPN Lincoln, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Caller 5 now, pair of Chris Stapleton seats for you with Hale Varsity. Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow Tuesday at Freshman Football. We'll see if Junior... Uh, makes a play. We say hi to uh, Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network, at BTN Rick Pizzo uh, on socials. And Rick, it's been a while, man. What a what a roller coaster for Nebraska since we last talked. How are you? Doing great. Continuing to bounce between studio and the road. Hard to believe we're halfway through. And to your point, hard to believe we watch Nebraska play another game on Saturday night against a really good team and clearly did enough good things to win and a late turnover, and what I believe is the 16th one-possession loss, eight points or less, and Scott took over. That is the most in the nation. It is. Uh, you also have 18 fumbles by Adrian in his four years. He has taken a lot of flack by some. He has uh, continued to be revered by, by others because of just what he has done with this offense. And uh, somewhere in the middle, there's a, a signature win Rick, for this football team, as you look at Nebraska, what what do you make of them? Uh, has your opinion of, of Nebraska changed even since uh, that, that Sparty week? Well, I'll tell you this. This defense, I think, unfortunately, because Nebraska hasn't closed, they didn't close Michigan, they didn't close Oklahoma, this defense, which was the big question when Scott arrived, could the defense be good enough to allow the offense to win games It's crazy, Chris. The script has been flipped. The defense, on more occasions than not, I know they gave up 32 against Michigan, but you had a short field or two. Mm -hmm. They played well enough to win. They clearly played well enough to win in the Oklahoma game. So it's interesting to me that I think the defense has come along faster than we expected, but the offense continues to make the same mistakes. And listen, if you're going to run this style of offense, if you're going to run this style of football team, your offense has to be efficient. It can't just go fast and score points on one every three possessions because the other two possessions you're going too fast and you made mistakes, you turned it over. You have to be efficient, and it just has not been efficient enough offensively, especially in the critical moments, to get the job done. Rick Pizzo's with us, Big Ten Network, Hale Varsity Radio. Rick, it just still seems like Nebraska, when they want to, or I should say they have to line up and run to get short yardage against some of the very best. Uh, their safest bet is to turn to Adrian. There was a lot of second and and short, third and short, and and credit Michigan. But there's a lot of those moments that that Nebraska did not get when they were able to set up a a decent first down play. 
and uh, you put the ball in Adrian's hands, and I, I just felt sick for him because of, of he, had, he, he had the first down. They were driving. They were confident, and Michigan did what they do, Rick, and that's just strip the football. Boy, I'm glad you said it that way, Chris, because I really was. I was sick for the young man. I was gutted. He played as he has on every occasion that he's taken the field for Nebraska. He played his heart out. People can criticize him maybe not making the plays in the biggest moments or putting the ball in the turf way too often. You can't question his heart. You can't question how much he cares about the football team and how badly he wants to lead this football team to a win. Now, at the end of the day, listen, you got to get it done. And I think Adrian knows that better than anybody else. But I'm with you. I was absolutely gutted for this young man. I'm really gutted for this team because to work as hard as a Division One athlete at a school like Nebraska has to work to get on the field and play every weekend and practice two-a-days during training camp and all that stuff, to come this close this many times and not be able to pick up that signature win – Man, that's really tough. And I'll say the one thing on Adrian getting those carries on second and third down. I've heard people say, well, J.T. Barrett did it with Ohio State. Why can't Adrian do it more consistently? J.T. Barrett always had a really good running back behind him. Mm -hmm. So defenses could not just key on J.T. Barrett. Sure, that was Urban Meyer's favorite play call on second and one, third and two. (laughs) But there were also really good backs behind him. So if you decided that you wanted to only focus on J.T., then he got beat by other guys. Adrian his defense hasn't really had that luxury it's been a while it's been a while since you've had that that Amir type back in Lincoln Rick uh, a thought with Nebraska that they need to they want to get to six for bowl eligibility that path is still there for them what's your take on Minnesota what do you think about the Gophs and, and what they're dealing with injury wise coming off a of bye week how how crazy is Saturday going to be for us in Minneapolis? I say us because we're on the road again. Yeah, they're dealing with a ton, Chris. Uh, I mean, the news of, of Trey Potts is good in the fact that the backup running back that replaced Mohamed Ibrahim lost in week one was lost against Purdue, and he stayed in the Indianapolis area hospital for multiple days. You know, Minnesota has not publicly released what the injury is. I have an inkling based on some folks that I've talked to, but I think much like P.J. Fleck, it's for the family and Trey Potts to decide if they want to share that information. His season is done, and so now you've lost Mo Ibrahim. Chris Aubin-Bell is supposed to be back there, top receiver, but he hasn't been healthy. Now you're losing Potts for the year. Tanner Morgan has been average at best. Minnesota, I think a lot of preseason goals that they had have already kind of gone by the wayside. So to me, this is one of those very interesting games where you're at home, in a game that people think you can win against Nebraska, but do you really want to be there kind of based on what everything has happened? I I think we'll find out pretty early, but I think this is a game that you you go on the road at the beginning of the year, people would have said Nebraska is a huge underdog in this game. I I don't see that being the case at all. I I think the the public probably believes that Nebraska is the favorite in this game and the folks out in Vegas feel the same way. It's, it's uh, one thing to be the favorite. It's another to deliver and, and, Nebraska, from a mental standpoint, said all the right things yesterday at the press conference. I think their attitude and kind of their body language is is matching that mentality. But Rick, you've covered this league uh, from the beginning, man, and you know how physically brutal it is. And you're coming off of uh, just uh, four quarters of war with Michigan. 
And Minnesota doesn't care either. <laughs> I mean, they're rested right. up. And they've been the more physical team the last two years than Nebraska. Well, they offensive line is really good, Chris. I mean, for everything that's happened, you know, they came into this year, and I don't think P.J. Fleck was over-talking those guys when he said he believed that all five could play in the NFL. And I think all five of those guys that started the year on offensive line could play in the NFL. When you have road graders and a 400-pounder and Daniel Falele and kind of guys they have up front, uh, they're really good and they're really physical and they will wear you down. Obviously, the big question becomes, who do they wear you down with? Who's Tanner Morgan handing the ball to? And if Nebraska is able to cover just Chris Altman Bell, who is Tanner Morgan throwing the ball to? Those are the big questions that Minnesota has this weekend and questions that obviously the Nebraska defense hopes the Gophers aren't able to answer. What's your take on the Gopher D when you look at that matchup, that side of the ball against the Nebraska offense? Yeah, no, Minnesota's defense, I think, has been a little bit better than I expected just because they lost a lot of guys over the last couple of years. I mean, I would put really a lot more of the blame on Minnesota's year on the offense, and maybe blame is an, is an unfair thing to say, but you lose the Bowling Green game, you only give up 14 points. You've got to score more than 10 points in that game, right? You completely shut out Colorado, a team that had nearly beat Texas A&M the day before, and you do a really nice job against Purdue, a team that has one of the best receiving cores in the country. So I think the Minnesota defense has probably been the most pleasant surprise as far as units on that team. Nebraska will have to play a really efficient game if they want to get to kind of that magic 30-point number, which I think is the magic number for the Huskers offensively. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. I mean, you have a game against Minnesota in which you're favored, and then you have a game against Purdue at home in which you're favored, and that comes after a bye. You look at November, you have Ohio State, you have Iowa, two of the top six teams in the country, and if I'm not mistaken, Wisconsin is sandwiched in between there, but that Wisconsin game is also on the road, and I know that the Badgers haven't been great, but they've had their way with Nebraska. You want to start thinking about getting to six. I think you absolutely have to have probably both of the next two to feel good about that before you head into the month of November. Agreed. We'll get Rick Pizzo out of here. Kind enough to join us. Hail Varsity Radio Roadshow here for a uh, Tuesday freshman football at uh, Seacrest Field. Rick, when you give me your power rankings, your, your Big Ten buffet uh, exclamation point with just where things are at. We know how good the league is. We know where Iowa's at. We know that Ohio State has been fixed. They look incredible. Uh, Penn State's really good. Michigan's fantastic. Uh, Sparty is nails. Who's the best team right now in your eyes? Give me your top four. I think the best team right now is Iowa. I think the most dangerous team is Ohio State. And I say that because of the development of C.J. Stroud, who was a little banged up and not the same guy against Oregon that he is right now. Ohio State still has, in my estimation, by far the most talent inside the Big Ten. Penn State, it's all going to depend on Sean Clifford. If they don't have Clifford under center, you saw what happened in that second half against Iowa. I think that Michigan is a stronger team right now than Penn State, especially without Clifford, and I think a little bit stronger than Michigan State. I think the Spartans kind of stole one against Rutgers. They didn't play really that well. just got three huge explosive plays from Jalen Naylor and a huge run from Kenneth Walker, but they were sloppy in that game. So if I'm going to give you my top three, I'd probably go Iowa with an eyelash over Ohio State and Ohio State an eyelash over Michigan with Penn State and Michigan State kind of chopping at the bit, hoping that they're going to stay healthy over the course of the rest of the season. Rick, uh, you were at Big Ten Basketball Media Days. What's your takeaway uh, from what you saw and heard with the Big Red? 
Yeah, you know, Fred was, I think, pretty open and honest about what he expects this year. Obviously, with McGowan's coming in, you have the highest prize recruit in the history of the program. So what exactly do you do with him? I think, you know, Andre did some great things last year. And Fred talked about the fact that you have to protect the home court. and you got to win the games that are really winnable for you because, listen, yes, this league lost a bunch of talent. But at the end of the day, this is still going to be the best basketball league in the country. And it is a rough slog to think about going to places like Michigan State and Indiana, Ohio State this year, Purdue, probably the preseason favorite, and think about winning those games on the road. So, man, protect that PBA every single chance you get. Rick, what's the, the number of uh, you need to hover around for, for a little bubble talk if you're Nebraska? I think will be a terrific story. I think Fred's a great coach. I think they're a couple years away. I mean, I think if you can start sniffing a winning record this year, 500 or better, you know, you, you sniff close to 500 maybe in the league, and then you're thinking about, you know, nice NIT bid if you can get there. Listen, I hope they prove me wrong. Uh, I'm just not sure I see it right now. Next year, maybe with the development of those young guys, and maybe you start really thinking about the bubble. But I think even Fred would be the first guy to tell you, He's not talking about the bubble or the tournament with this team. Now the young cast and guys that you've got to get in and integrate into your team. You're trying to talk about playing good, solid, fundamental basketball and not beating yourself against a bunch of teams that will make you beat yourself. Rick, you take care. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Finding down at Seacrest, 23-6 Southwest ahead. Collar 4. Right now, gets a $25 gift card to Jet Splash Car Wash. Their Haunted Tunnel event going on. Caller 4, $25 gift card to Jet Splash. Back at you tomorrow with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.